What becomes more important over time is not just your specific knowledge about something, but it's your wisdom across many domains. I like to say knowledge is local and wisdom is global. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear from thought leaders in a wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about. This podcast will introduce you to people who are paving the way for a better world for us all. They'll give you hope for the future and many, many practical insights to handle life's ups and downs. The insights in this podcast can help you make your own leap or two every week. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've written thousands of articles about the insight and innovation going uncelebrated in this world. And along the way, I've been talking to thought leaders, such incredible conversations that we're now sharing so that everyone can enjoy the same peace of mind that these thought leaders have every day when they get out of bed in the morning. Today, we're gonna chat with Chip Conley, at 26, he became the entrepreneur in the hospitality industry. I think ending up with something like 52 boutique hotels and an amazing, amazing bulk of insight through the process that we're going to share with you today. He's now an author and a speaker and a founder of something called the Modern Elder Academy, which is such a perfectly timed initiative for these days when we need to dig into what everybody brings to the table. So Chip, welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Thank you, Linda. It's great to be with you. Well, you know, one of the things I'd like to start out talking about, I should say that Chip has an amazing book that I have scoured. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was turned on to this mm. book by someone in my circles who's definitely ain't exactly the world that you're talking about. Then since then, I see it on patients' laps in my office all the time. That's how you know a book is really good when the dentist sees it on people's laps day after day after day. <laughs> so, before the pandemic, we've got such a short time, I'm going to try and stay focused for people. Before the pandemic, companies like Facebook and Google might have thought it was really prudent to have kind of their average age worker. I think one or the other, Facebook is like age 31 average age employee and Google is 30. I can't remember. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. So I think Apple's 31 and Airbnb is 26. Okay, there we go. So before the pandemic, that obviously people make business decisions based on things they think are prudent. But now that we've been through this time of upheaval, I would love to hear your take on the role of wise elders that could be any age. We're not talking about old here. We're talking about experience, right? Yeah. You know, first of all, the word elder in its historical reference was speaking about not a particular age, but more a relative age to those around you. So elderly, maybe the last five or 10 years of your life, but el you could be an elder at age 40 if you were in professional sports or if you're a software developer. The reason I was called the modern elder was because I joined Airbnb at age 52. I'd never worked in a 
tech company before. And here I was surrounded by people who were half my age. And they said, Chip, you're our modern elder. And I said, I don't know if I like that. And they said, well, you're as curious as you are wise. And I think a modern elder is as curious as they are wise. And so that is how I came to be known as the modern elder at Airbnb. I spent eight and a half years helping the founders, four years full-time. And that's what led me to creating the world's first midlife wisdom school here in Baja, uh, the Modern Elder Academy. That is... <laughs> Such a great translation of skills. You know, I talk to people a lot about a second climbs or next climbs because that's exactly what happened to me at age 53. I had this incredible set of experiences that led me to start this comp this positive global media company. And who would have thought a dentist, <laughs> the last TED talk I was in, they, they called me the global positive media mogul, which was like, wow, pie, wow. pie in the face. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my reaction to a little giggle at the end. However, I feel like this is absolutely my calling, what I'm doing with this media company. And what I did before, I felt like I feel like I needed every single bit of that experience to do this well. Talk mm -hmm. to us yeah. about how experience has its place just as, as being absolute master of technology. Sure. So there's a lot of evidence, some of it actually in David Epstein's book called Range, is showing that there's a growing need in the workplace for generalists, not just specialists. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit in rea reaction or response to the fact that we have been in an era of specialists the last 30 years, especially in technology. And so often, in especially in young startups, you've got a lot of technologists who are rather young and have not had a ton of experience as leaders. And they frankly sometimes have to microwave their, their leadership skills and their emotional intelligence right. to keep up with the people who are a little older. So what we're starting to see is the, the rise of the generalists. Many of them are a little bit older. They have Their wisdom is not necessarily knowledge. So knowledge and wisdom are two different things. You may have knowledge about some software programming language, but that doesn't mean you have wisdom. And often wisdom speaks to intuition, curiosity and creativity, understanding people, and most importantly, being able to connect the dots. There are a lot of things we, we get worse at as we get older, but one of the things we actually get better at is being able to connect the dots. This is called holistic thinking, systemic thinking, also known as crystallized intelligence. And this is where young people really appreciate the role of the modern elder. But you better, if you're going to be a modern elder, if you're aspiring to be one, just know that the modern elder is not the person who is revered. It's not about reverence. It's about relevance. So reverence speaks to the idea that, oh, we have to listen to the old person because we respect our elders. That era probably doesn't exist in many places in the world anymore. In fact, I, I like to say, in the old days, you went and talked to the question to grandma or grandpa, and now you go to Google. Um, so, you know, you get your answers from someone other than your elders. But the idea that we can be relevant in our second half of our adult life makes a ton of sense because we do have a lot to offer, but we also have to be curious enough to understand how do we deliver that wisdom in a way where, where younger people are going to understand it? And how can we learn from the younger people? It's about mutual mentorship because we have as much to learn from them as they, from us. Mm. So I don't want to miss talking about curiosity with you, but I was just listening to your book last night and re-listening to it actually, because I, I do, I did both. I got your audio book and then it was so good. I got the real book and started oh, annotating you. in it wildly. You tell this great little figure, which I love that there was a time when your knowledge needed to be 
about 70% or 75% of what you offered a company or coworkers and 30% was, I don't know, experience. But now it's reversed because we all have access to all the knowledge we want and it's like 90, 10 or something. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, knowledge becomes obsolescent quickly. And that's not, that's sort of a scary thought. It's like, wow, what now certain facts are just facts. Although maybe not so much in, in the day in the, the world, generally there's facts and then there's knowledge, which is actually piecing together the facts in a way that actually is practically valuable. But things are changing so quickly in the 21st century, especially in certain kinds of industries, that your knowledge of 10 years ago may not be very helpful today. Or, for example, my knowledge of the hotel industry and how many rooms does a maid clean in a, an eight-hour shift wasn't all that relevant at Airbnb, even though Airbnb is a hospitality company. Very different business model. So what becomes more important over time is not just your specific knowledge about something, but it's your wisdom across many domains. I like to say knowledge is local and wisdom is global. What does that mean? It's like knowledge is local. It's something that's quite specific and it, and it helps you very much in that particular place. But the knowledge of how many rooms does a maid clean in an eight-hour shift is not that valuable if I am a software developer or if I'm... So that, that, that knowledge is quite specific to a domain. Whereas wisdom, which is often around wisdom about people, about intuition and, and seeing the pattern recognition mm-hmm. of something and being able to intuit what's going to happen next... These are, and frankly, the ability to be a really great emotionally moderate voice on a team. One of the things that a lot of people don't know is that Google did a study called Project Aristotle, mm-hmm. in which they found that um, the number one quality that defined effective teams within Google globally was psychological safety. And psychological safety is often enhanced on a team by having older people who are a little bit more moderated in their emotions. And so therefore, Diverse teams, we know diverse teams across different demographics can be very helpful, but there's starting to be more and more evidence that diverse teams across age may be the most helpful. So the audience in this podcast is a super wide range of people. When we look at that, get down to something practical for me on that. Like, for instance, you tell a great story in the book. I loved it. I can't recall exactly who the names of the people were, but it was an Australian woman who was an unbelievable entrepreneur. Her company grew really, really fast. And yet it it became, tell us that story because this is a practical application of this, this two, this two headed genius that we can come together. So this is a, a, an Australian-based company with some roots in the San Francisco Bay Area as well. And the entrepreneur was young, had a great idea, a really just a, a killer new software app, app that made a lot of sense. But she realized that she had never gone through the stormy waters of a launch of a business. And she had some real challenges with some of her, her investors. And as both a woman and a very and a younger woman with older men as investors, she felt like there was sometimes a translation problem. And so ultimately, she brought in as, as her partner, a guy who was about 25 to 30 years her senior, who was not just the translator to the investor world, but he was also the one who could sort of see, he was, he was like the, the beacon, the lighthouse who could sort of see what was on the horizon because he'd been there before. Right. And the two of them came together and created a, a phenomenal company. And they, I think this is in chapter two or three in my, in my book, they have shown as evidence that 
you know, intergenerational collaboration made her realize that there were things that he could see that she didn't see and vice versa. There were things that he could actually see that she could see that she was teaching him. So it's that mutual mentorship that I think is the future of collaboration in the workplace. Because by the year 2025, the majority of Americans will have a boss that's younger than them. That's amazing statistic. That is an amazing statistic. And that company did hit the skids. They did hit hard times. And then it was just all about him being there to kind of right the ship, right? He was able to write the ship partly because of past experience. Right. You know, the, the fact is experience can be, it can be a guide in a positive or a negative way. It's a guide when you can sort of say, wow, I can see the future a little bit better because of my past and I can take my past learning and apply it. But it also can be a, a negative. And this is why some people use their age and it doesn't work for them because they actually use their past as almost like the only road map there is available. And then that limits their options. So this is about curiosity fundamentally then, because that's how you decide when your model's going to be useful and when your model of experience is not, correct? Talk to us about curiosity and maybe some so, self-awareness. So curiosity is a, an undervalued quality in our lives. We People say they want to be creative and innovative, but really the fuel for creativity and innovation comes from curiosity. Curiosity is a quality we have young in life. We There's all kinds of evidence that shows that people at age six ask substantially more questions than they do at age 16, partly because we're just learning and we don't feel like anybody's going to judge us for asking the questions we're asking. And so we ask a lot of questions. And then as we get a little older and we start building up our knowledge, we sort of almost get socialized into thinking that asking questions makes you look dumb. And you're supposed to instead, instead look like you're the smartest person in the room. And what I came to realize at Airbnb is, other than just being a yes, no answer, offers a, an illumination of a path that most people hadn't thought of. And so those are questions often that are like, well, what if fill in the blank? Or why do we do it this way? What if we tried it that way? Mm-hmm. And so those are questions that sometimes are not about just trying to you know, ask a question and get a fact as an answer, but it's more like Socratic. You know, Socrates was quite famous for walking around Greece and talking to young people, but, but leading through questions. And there's a means of asking questions that's built in curiosity, which is called appreciative inquiry. And it is a method we use here at the Modern Elder Academy. We teach all of our 1,250 alum, alumni who've come through here about how to actually ask catalytic questions that help illuminate the positive paths available for people. I love that you mentioned appreciative inquiry. I think, yeah, I spoke at a, an innovation climate change summit recently, and they were all into appreciative inquiry too. Let, let's talk just a minute about appreciative inquiry. I, I spoke at an appreciative inquiry event on a, like the first day, and I stayed the whole event. I, I just, I fell into that like a chasm. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day, We have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. 
The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all. People like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where all of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world, those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place, are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. I am really, really impressed at how it's starting to show up in the public zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit, like one of my favorite questions is, you know, what do we all want more of? If we can start there yeah, with that, with that point, we can fix some pretty major problems. So I think appreciative inquiry is, is really well suited for your program because it really speaks to how do you build on what's working? It doesn't mean you don't focus on what's not working. It's important to not be blind to that. But too often, we get very focused on the not working piece without focusing on the working piece. Mm -hmm. So appreciative inquiry comes from the idea of what actually could help a person build on their dreams, but also their their resources. Mm -hmm. So I like an example of an appreciative inquiry question would be, tell me about your vision of what this looks like five years from now, and what might be the path that would take you there? And that's that's a, that's a helpful, empathetic question. It, it allows a person to talk about a vision, something that's bigger than just a yes, no answer. So appreciative inquiry is not about yes, no answers. It's really about illuminating the path with a question that helps a person to imagine. It's, it's, it's a really great imagination tool, but it's also a, good, a great tool where people feel supported. And, and so, so it's a, it's a foundational part of what I think a modern elder does. And it's that, therefore it's part of our curriculum here at MEA. Oh, that is so great. I have a David Cooperator's right hand woman is a good friend, lives in Vermont. We have tea regularly. Yeah, she's a fabulous PhD in, I don't know, social economics or something. And I'm, I'm definitely going to contact her after this conversation and, and, and tell them how much appreciative inquiry keeps coming up in society. So Beautiful. thank you for going on that little detour. But back to the book, because there's something about this whole curiosity thing that I think is cross-generational. You have this great place in the book where you talk about the don't know mind. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Chip. If we could get people to say, I don't know more often, there's no telling how we could improve the future. Yeah. So it, again, back to this idea that as we get older, we think you're supposed to know it all. But in mm-hmm. fact, that's an unfortunate 
perspective because if you know it all, then why would you ever want to learn anything new? Right. So, of course, we don't know it all. And the don't know mind is an alter- alternatively called the beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. And from the people I've met in the world, the ones that I am most fascinated by are the ones who are constantly curious about learning something new. Here at not lifelong learning, we call it long life learning. Mm-hmm. And long life learning is based upon the idea that you, as you get older, you get more focused on how do I le- create a life that's as deep and meaningful as it is long. And along the way, we learned that there is, if we can actually focus on what's working and build on that, it's so much easier to build a a great business or a strategy because we're actually tapping into the lessons of reviews from the past that's gotten us to where we are today. Oh, it's so, and you know, Sometimes something about our times may facilitate this. I love um, I love your concept about intergenerational improv. Yeah. Before we wrap up here, talk to me about that whole genre. Well, I think that life is a potluck. And the question is, who's bringing what to the table? Mm-hmm. And we have five generations in the workplace for the very first time. And each of us generationally have something to bring to the table. And so wouldn't it be interesting if we created a a new generational compact amongst people across all generations that allowed us to say, how do we solve some of the biggest challenges we have on earth, whether it's climate change or social justice issues, or frankly, the role of artificial intelligence in our lives? How do we address some of these things such that we each bring what we know best? And often it's younger people who know the technology know the cultural landscape much better than we do. Often it's older people who have a little bit more of the wisdom and maybe more of the human-centered experience of understanding what humans, how humans can do things differently as they as they age. But I think that you know to not actually tap into this wealth of generational resources is just silly. I was waiting for you to spit out that word. I, I think so yeah. too. Yeah. That's that's as good as we can put it. It's a it's a waste of resources, that's for yeah. sure. In a world that is that really needs to look around and and start using what we've got instead of just creating more stuff. Yeah, agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I always end my interviews asking two questions. One is tell us all where people can connect more and more and more with your work. Anything, anywhere you'd like to send people, we're going to put it in the show notes. Our show notes are always great, but tell us where people can connect further. So you can find chipconley.com, spelling the last name C-O-N-L-E-Y. But I think the Modern Elder Academy website is probably the best place, Mm -hmm. modernelderacademy.com. You'll find on there little tiles for each of the different parts of our business. The Baja Workshops tile is the one that actually has the most information. Some people love getting my daily blog, my daily blog called Wisdom Well. If you just did a Google search for Wisdom Well Chip Conley, you'd get it. And it's a daily, we can send it to you daily. It's free. And it gives a little microdose of wisdom, a little opportunity to think about something with a reflective mind. So, and then on all of the social media, you can find me there too. Great. And really, Chip's book, Wisdom at Work, I, I think you've you've nailed down some real gems of insight that are for any age, because, you know, we can be the elder when we're 27 in a group of 18 year olds. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So I highly recommend Chip's book. It's just, it's ordinary wisdom. 
Mm-hmm. And most of it is so one of those things where you go, oh, that sounds obvious. I would have, yeah. but I, you know, we just <laughs> wouldn't think of it that way it, mm-hmm. on our own. So thank you for bringing this to the world. So Chip, I always end my podcast by asking, oh, so ever widening circles. That's the mothership to this six platform universe of our efforts to point to goodness and progress happening in the world. Our byline is it is still an amazing world. Tell me what mm. proves to you that it's still an amazing world. What in your day just makes you sit back and go, yeah, this place is still worth fighting for? Well, I live on a beach in Baja, which is where our MEA campus is. And oh, nice. we have within walking distance, ocean, desert, tropical, farmland, and mountains. So the fact that nature is just such a gorgeous cathedral for feeling great thoughts and feeling connected to something bigger than yourself is to me what we need to make sure we revere is nature. Our relationship with nature is much more symbiotic than I think we usually even think of. And seeing you with hearing birds in the background and trees behind you reminds me about nature as well. Well, I'll tell you, I think you're absolutely right. This farm, my dad passed away far too young, but he Mm. turned this farm into conservation acres. Now, for 200 miles or 300 in all directions of this little plot is nothing but a monoculture of corn and soybeans. And yet, when I'm sitting here on this deck, hearing the birds that you're hearing and thinking about where you're sitting, where there's the gopher tortoise that makes life possible for 350 other species. Mm. This is the wonder that's all around us. And I don't know, we've got to start listening to thought leaders like you, your vision of the future. If we all come together in this way, including the relevance and the wealth of knowledge of experience is really makes me get excited about the future. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Linda. What an honor and keep doing the same thing. All right, I will. I'll. I'll uh, I've got to dig back into that appreciative inquiry connection I've got. I haven't talked yeah. to her since the pandemic, but I'll be. Okay. I might circle back to you on that. Perfect. All right. All right. Have a thank great day. You. All right. Bye bye. So thank you to Chip Conley for sharing the, a half hour of some amazing wisdom. You won't have missed anything if you grab his book, Wisdom at Work. I had no end to questions. I'm hoping I can get him back on the, on the show one day and we can keep talking about all these wonderful insights that he's sharing about getting the full scope of human experience and knowledge at our fingertips. So for more information on anything Chip and I talked about, you can look down in the show notes. It's all going to be there. And um, please go and rate this podcast. It's a (laughs) ever more important part of the equation that we elevate the things that are meaningful in our lives, like a podcast like this. And so the way to do that is to rate and review the podcast, and that will help us climb and reach more and more people. Right now, we're in the top 25% of podcasts in the world, but we want to be in that top 10%, and you can help us get there by rating and reviewing. So thank you for uh, joining the podcast. And remember to check out something new in the ever widening circles world there is the conspiracy of goodness network now forming we're planning a formal large launch in october but you can join the network now and it's a place where social innovators people that just want to do good in the world people who want to be a multiplier for the efforts to open a new era they're meeting there at the conspiracy of goodness network and becoming multipliers for each other And if you'd like to start early on that process of helping the Conspiracy of Goodness Network grow, I encourage you to check that place out. It's going to be a game changer once we can get all the 
people in the world who want a better future to come together in one place. Okay, so thank you for joining the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. I hope all the connections to goodness and progress that Chip and I talked about carry you through your week and that you start finding all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Have a great day. 